Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. This week, Rabbi Michael Siegel of On Shamit Synagogue and author Jonathan Eig talk about the portion of Dvarim. Have I got a story for you? Finding the balance between the storyteller, the story, and the facts. Who is the best storyteller you ever knew? I don't know who the best storyteller is. My 10-year-old daughter is a, is a really good storyteller, though. I love listening to her tell stories. Uh, so she's my favorite of the moment. My, my favorite storyteller was, um, I had an uncle who I loved to listen to tell stories. He listened to stories that he told. I also used to love listening to Alan King when mm. he would tell stories on Ed Sullivan. He would go on and he would tell the story, but it wasn't the story. It was just the, the nuance, the, the detail, what you learned about in the story and the pauses were just as rich as the facts. And, 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 and in all actuality, with my uncle, I knew the facts, but it didn't matter. He was going to shape them in a new way because that was the story. And so it's not just history, not the uh, dragnet, the facts, ma'am, nothing but the facts. It's the background. It's the nuance. It's the storytelling. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's so much a part of history. I think about that all the time because who gets to tell the story? I feel really lucky that I've gotten to tell the story of some people who I admired and, and enjoyed, Lou Gehrig and Muhammad Ali. But if someone else had told the same story, it would have been told very, very differently. But you're a storyteller. I am. And how do you balance the facts and you know the and the legend? Well, that's the thing. I'm writing about stuff that happened and I wasn't there to tell to, to see for myself. So you're constantly trying to find the truth and get as close to it as you can, knowing that you're never going to be a hundred percent sure. So what I have this enormous responsibility to try to get it right. But I'll tell you a funny story. There's this great scene. It was in some ways the climax of my Muhammad Ali book. It's when he beats George Foreman, and there's this wonderful description of it in Sports Illustrated by George Plimpton, one of the great journalists, great sports writers. And he describes Ali leaving the fight, rain starting to pour down, huge storm, and he gets into the back of a car with his wife, and they drive off into the jungle. And women and children and men are coming out of the woods, out of the, out of the jungle, to see his car go by as the rain is just pounding down on them. They're holding leaves over their babies' heads to protect them from the rain. They just want to see Ali go off and this is this triumphant moment. It's the last great moment of his career. And I know this is going to be the end of my chapter of this powerful, powerful chapter of my book. But how do I know if Plimpton got it right? I can't just accept it. I have to try to prove it. So I call Ali's wife. She was in the back of the car with Ali. I want to know what mood was he in? What was he wearing? Was he exhausted? Was he hurt? Was he celebratory? And she says, I don't really remember that. <laughs> so then I thought, wait a second. Maybe it wasn't his wife. Maybe it was his girlfriend. So I called his girlfriend. She said, no, it wasn't me in the car with him. And I know it wasn't his wife either because I saw her after the fight. Maybe it was his other girlfriend. So I called the other girlfriend. She doesn't return my call. So now I have this beautiful climactic scene, maybe the most, in some ways, the most powerful scene in my book. And I don't even know who was in the back of the car with him. Now I can't trust my narrator. I don't know if Plimpton got any of these details right. And I'm just lost. What am I supposed to do? The whole thing has evaporated upon closer examination. So the question is whether or not the facts are important. Yes. Right? Does it really Maybe matter? I should have just ignored all of these complicating factors and just told the story the way Plimpton told it. It would have been beautiful. Well, does it really matter that Babe Ruth pointed, you know, pointed his bat and then hit a home run? This is one of my biggest struggles with my books is that the greatest stories, the stories that everybody is looking forward to, often turn out to be complete bull. 
you know, <laughs> Al Capone did not commit the Valentine's Day massacre. That scene in the movie where he where he hits the guy with the baseball bat also probably never happened. And you find when you get to these defining moments, these iconic moments that very often upon closer examination, they disintegrate. Right. And then that kind of leads us in a kind of an interesting way into the book of Deuteronomy. Of course it does. Because everything always leads back to Torah. <laughs> Al Capone, George Plimpton. I can count on you Muhammad Ali. Right? It's my work. Here in the book of Deuteronomy, you have this recapitulation of the Torah, the second law of Deuteronomy, where Moses is now going to offer a series of orations, repeat many of the laws, tell the stories, but you now are hearing it through Moses's experience of it. And you learn a lot about Moses. You learn about you, if you wondered how he felt in particular moments, he's gonna tell you. But at the end of the day, he's gonna stand on the other side of the Jordan as the children, and he's gonna die on Mount Nebo as the children of Israel kind of walk forward. It's a very powerful idea of telling the history through the through the witness, the eyewitness, through the leader himself. And there's a moment in the Torah reading that I think deserves our, there are a lot of them, but that deserve our attention. Okay, so here's an example of Moses being Moses. God says to, to Moses, go take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to assign to them and to their heirs after them. But Moses records himself saying to God, I cannot bear the burden of you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you until you are today as numerous as the stars in the sky. The God of your fathers increase your numbers a thousandfold. How can I bear unaided the trouble of you and the burden and the bickering? This is a side of Moses that we don't see. He is befuddled and he's angered by the people. And I think that's such an interesting insight as to the humanity of the man that's kind of being revealed here. The leaders are not meant to be perfect. That the person who tells the story isn't meant to be the ultimate authority on anything. But he was the person at the time who led the people, and he's an imperfect vessel. But the thing was, he believed in something beyond himself. He believed in this project. And I think that's what's being revealed in his telling of the story. Now, how the people experienced Moses at the time, I don't know how they experienced him. Well, so much of it depends on who's telling the story and when they're telling the story and who they're telling the story for. And I always tell people that history is not about some time in the past. History is about some time in the past, and it's about the moment in which it's being written. And then it's also about the moment in which it's being read. So it's not isolated. And we have to embrace the complexity of that. And we have to embrace the complexity of the characters who are making history. And we have to embrace the complexity of the fact that we don't know everything. And I'm going to extend that idea by saying that the book of Deuteronomy will have differences in Moses' recollection of a particular law. So for instance, you know, in one telling of the Ten Commandments, it says, Shamor, guard the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And in another place in the Torah, it's going to say, Zachor, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? So there's going to be, there's going to be different. So, you know, this is the Ten Commandments. So which one is it? Right. So what do the rabbis do with that idea? In their kind of own clever way, they say, oh, God said it both in one word. 
And by the way, that's ensconced in the Lachadodi prayer. Shamor v'zachor b'dibur achad. Guard and remember in one word. God said it in one word. But history isn't so simple. We can't just like mash things together. And so what we're looking at then is a question mark as to, is this book definitive history or is it historiography? Is it the experience of history in a way? And that makes it more malleable. Well, I think the malleability is the key because ultimately my, my feeling is that it's up to the reader to do the work. I am going to tell you what I know based on as much fact as I can give you. I'll explain to you how I found this. And, and I think what the Torah is telling us is that somebody said this happened then. Now you do the work and you decide what it meant and what you can take away from it. That's such a beautiful way of describing the work of rabbinic Judaism. Oh, thanks. From the, you know, I don't usually who, go there. Who knew? <laughs> but, but, but think about what happened. This text is passed down. There are anomalies in the text, things that don't make sense. But we know that it is the story. It is these are the laws. So what do we do with them? How do they evolve, right? Right. How does don't boil a kid in its mother's milk suddenly become the laws of milk and meat? It's evolving we're telling the story, we're engaging the text. And I think that that is the ultimate lesson here. That what Moses is calling us on us to do is saying, here's my version of the story. How do you make it your version of the story? How do you engage the story? How do I now tell the tale now that it's been passed to me? And how will my children tell the tale? How well did I tell the story? How much meaning did I imbue in it? And how important did it feel to them? How relevant that I tell the story, that's going to that's gonna determine the next generation. That's right. And if you want to know which woman was in the backseat of the car with Muhammad Ali, maybe the point is that the uncertainty tells you a lot about Ali. Yeah, but that, you get to decide for yourself. <laughs> right. Well, the car is pulling away, so right. we're going to stop here. But thanks for this conversation. This I enjoyed was, it. 